Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his grand circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. Well, you're in luck. You get a third podcast this month. That's kind of unusual for the way I've been scheduling these up, but it turns out that uh, the D23 Expo happened over the last week or so, and I kind of wanted to share a little bit of information, some of the things I gleaned from it. Now, I did not go to D23. I'm not a big fan of going in and actually attending these events, but I do kind of keep up with what the Disney company is doing. And I wanted to share some of my thoughts about some of the things that I heard, saw, and otherwise uh, was aware of that was there, and uh, kind of share, share some things about it that I, that I noticed, some observations. Now, to be fair, I don't mean to be uh, sounding like a downer. I'm going to say some things in here that may sound like I'm a bit of a downer on some of the things that are happening, but it's sort of this, this interesting thing that happens. You know, I'm a longtime Disney fan. I've been a fan forever, and things are changing very quickly at the parks these days, and it's all about... Uh, monetizing everything that they have. So you'll hear some things in here that kind of take that on a little bit. And I don't mean to be uh, sort of the downer, sort of insulting in some ways. If it comes across that way, I apologize in advance. But I'm just trying to give you some thoughts about where I stand on some of the things that are happening. And if you agree with me, hey, that's great. And if you don't, please feel free to you know email me or uh, put a comment on the uh, on the show notes page. That's, that's fine. I'm happy to hear back from people. I, I want to know what you think about some of the things that are going on. And uh, so as I look at it, you know, D23 is a fan expo, and it's really there designed to uh, get people delighted and engaged with the Disney company. And I think it's a tremendous idea that they do this expo because they're giving you information about some of the things that are coming up uh, at the Disney parks and some of the things and through the Disney company and some of the things that may be happening that may be of interest. And so, you know, when you hear these things, you kind of go, okay, and you take some of them uh, with a grain of salt and some of them as reality. But Disney realized this year that they had to be a lot more careful over some of the things they said because in previous years they've said things you know, with specific dates and with specific things they were going to do and they didn't either work out time-wise or in terms of what they actually delivered and Disney kind of has a little, I'd say, egg on their face and they have to backtrack on some of the things. So they're, you know, they're learning from it too and they have to be a little more cautious and conscientious about some of the things they say so that they're not trapping themselves and painting themselves into a corner, metaphorically, where they're saying, you know, we're going to do this by this date and if it doesn't turn out to be that, then people are annoyed or upset or don't like whatever, whatever happens. So they try to be a little more careful about some of the things that come out. And... So, you know, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is one example where they talked about when it was going to open, what it was going to be, and it turned out to be something a little different, and the timeline was different. And it also didn't help that Disney said, hey, we're going to open both of them in Disneyland and Disney World in 2019, Galaxy's Edge, that is, uh, when they announced it in 2016 or 17, I can't remember now which year it was. Uh, people made a decision, a conscious decision to say, hey, I'm going to hold off on my next Disney trip until after that's open. So it park attendance was down this year. So Disney has to kind of manage that kind of carefully without putting a specific date 
or theme to some things, uh, there was they have to be they have to be aware of that and make sure that they're not causing themselves any angst in that sense. Now, a couple of themes that came out of some of the some of the things they talked about, they want to use more of their own intellectual property in the things that they're building. You know, what does that mean? Well, it means that all these things that they own, whether it's Marvel or Star Wars or uh, you know, the, the Muppets for that matter, all of these things, you're going to see more of them. It's not about an attraction that's based on a concept. So when you think about when they opened Epcot, they had all these things that they came up with. You know, you had the universe of energy, which was about energy. You had the uh, world of motion, which was sponsored by GM, but was still about uh, automobiles and transportation. You had uh, the um, Horizons Pavilion that was really about the future and tomorrow and the hope for tomorrow. You had the uh, Imagination Pavilion, which was really about uh, using your mind and imagination. That's not what they want to do anymore. Now they want to talk about how do we put properties in there that we have that we actually can uh, make and market in some way. And again, back to sort of a bottom line thing, if we put more things in there, we can make more sales and make it more interesting rather than having to get a corporate sponsor. So if you look at the old world, they were always looking for corporate sponsors. How do we make these things work by getting a sponsor in here? So I can list them off and I can say World of Motion was managed by, was uh, funded by GM and uh, the Horizons was actually funded by GE and Universe of Energy, I believe originally was uh, funded by Mobile and the Imagination Pavilion was Kodak and the uh, Land Pavilion was by Kraft. You know, so they had money coming in from other places that actually made this work. Now they're thinking about rather than having money come in to fund it, they will come up with the funds themselves up front and then recoup the money based on the property that they're selling and the merchandise that they sell behind it and getting people to come in. And by tweaking the ticket price again, they can continue to do that. So it's kind of interesting to me because you hear that more about intellectual property, which means that we're getting away from what made especially Epcot special. And Epcot itself was kind of the first thing I wanted to talk about. So what they want, what they want to do is they're going to take down the uh, half of the uh, future world that is the one where the uh, Starbucks is, the Club Cool, and the character meet and greet. That's all going to be demolished. And then part of the other side will also be demolished. And there'll be a piece of it that's left uh, where some of, the, uh, some of the shops are and so forth on the, on the other side. But it's going to be uh, completely gutted and rethemed in some way. So there's a huge change coming there. And it'll no longer be known as Future World and World Showcase. Now instead, there's going to be three neighborhoods, they call them. Uh, there's still some work being done on that, and uh, there's not a whole lot of uh, things being, have, that have been announced about what it is exactly, except that you'll, be, you'll have to launch to get to that actual place to have lunch. Haha, uh, ha, just kidding. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, th I think that's uh, what's going to be interesting there. There'll be the Play Pavilion back there. And in the Play Pavilion, you'll see more about the Incredibles and Wreck-It Ralph and some of the other Disney characters. Uh, the World Nature, and this is going to the other side, back where the, uh, the area is like uh, the, the Living Seas is today. There'll be the Journey of Water inspired by Moana. That's one of the new things that's there. It'll be an interactive play place with some water features and some different things that are going on there. You'll see the water cycle going through its uh, various, various uh, platforms. They'll have Awesome Planet following the beauty, diversity, and dynamic story of the Earth and uh, some other things that are going on. So in that sense, those three parts replace Future World. 
Now you still have the World Showcase, and I'm a little confused, I have to admit, about the World Showcase and how this is going to work with the World Celebration. Um, world, these two things, they both have the world world in them, and it's not clear to me which is which and how it works exactly. I think there's a little more defining that needs to happen there because the World Discovery will lead into the World Showcase, and I thought the World Discovery was supposed to sort of replace the name there, but I'm not entirely sure. Of course, as far as the lands themselves go, the, uh, the actual countries that are there, there are no major changes planned there at this time. They did not announce another pavilion coming there, but they did announce, they talked about the Ratatouille attraction that's going to be opening in France. And they also talked about a Mary Poppins-themed area that will happen in the UK pavilion. Now, there was some discussion about whether they actually said attraction or not, because I think someone said the word attraction, but they never talked about it in any sense. So it's not clear what that will be and uh, what they're going to do. But there will definitely be behind the Tudor Street and what's there, there'll be another section where you can go back and be in the Mary Poppins theme land. Now, as I mentioned to you on previous uh, podcasts and talking about the story of the UK Pavilion, if you walk down the street uh, that's behind, so how do I explain this? You can walk down Tudor Street, which leads to those buildings and the, and the shops and so forth down there. Uh, and it, you know, that's where the, uh, the little rotunda is that they have the music that they play. If you go on the other side of that, there's a pathway that comes back up and typically Mary or Alice are meeting in that pathway on the top. If you walk up that pathway, there's a set replica of what Mary Poppins looked like on that side. If you look back at the buildings, they did the set replica so it looks like the set. So my understanding is they're going to expand that area out back behind where that pathway is. So today there's the, uh, there was the Millennium Celebration that was back in there. There's this um, uh, sort of area, it's like a, a curve-shaped building that's back there. I think that's where they're going to be putting the Mary Poppins-themed area, so they'll have some more things back there. They do have some space to create an attraction if that's what they choose to do, but it's not clear that that's what they're going to do. But we'll see. It'll be interesting to see what they choose to do back there, but it'll be more Mary Poppins-themed uh, experiences back there anyway, and they'll create the set in a more in a broader sense where you're back on the street that Mary... that. Uh, that the Banks family lived on. Um, what was the name of the street? I can't remember. But anyway, that, that was the, uh, that's the idea, is to create some Mer more Mary Poppins-themed things back there. So I find that kind of interesting, and I, I think that might work. It's okay. But again, intellectual property. It's, about, it's not about the UK. It's now about Mary Poppins. And it's not about France. It's about Ratatouille. So you see how this kind of starts to draw out some more things. They did talk about Spaceship Earth, getting some retheming as well, and uh, perhaps a slightly different show inside. The sort of the talk of the town was the early part of the show from the beginning up until the Industrial Revolution would stay pretty much the same. Maybe a different narrator, maybe a few set changes, but generally speaking, that would stay the same. And anything after that will probably change and look to the future and maybe have some intellectual properties built in there as well. You never know. Uh, there's some opportunities to do some things there. I guess we'll see what they choose to do with it. But uh, that attraction will be closing at some point to make some adjustments to it. Now, there was some discussion about both of the 360-degree films, the, uh, the one in the China Pavilion and the one in the uh, uh, Canada Pavilion. Both will remain. Uh, they'll have new films that are going to be shown there. So that's kind of cool, I guess. So let's take a look at the three. You've got World Celebration, which, is, uh, which has uh, Spaceship Earth in it, of course. 
a wishing tree, a large interactive fountain, lush gardens and greenery, and a new pavilion that becomes home base for the park's various festivals because the festivals become bigger and bigger every year. Uh, then there is going to be a three-story structure that will afford some pretty spectacular views of Epcot's nighttime shows, uh, the replacement for Illuminations, essentially, though I don't think that's got an official name yet, as far as I know. But that'll be out there, and uh, that'll be kind of interesting. It does afford some better views into, uh, like, the Land Pavilion as you look through. You can actually should be able to see through uh, and see it better than they have with the buildings today and sort of the arch they have today. Now, as far as this three-story structure and being able to see illuminations, the thing that I think of here is this will be a premium location to see the illuminations replacement. And that means that it'll either be for specific DVC customers or maybe a paid thing like a dessert party kind of thing or a special viewing location. So it's not for everyone, but it should clear up space so you should be able to see better from other places. So that's potentially a good thing. But I find that kind of interesting because I know that the replacement show that they have in mind is a much broader show. It's not just about things that are happening specifically on the lagoon. It'll be a little bit bigger and go out broader and higher and wider and, you know, use perhaps drones and fireworks and other things to make the whole experience a little more immersive. Now, as far as world discovery, the Guardians of the Galaxy will exist in the new land um, and there'll also be a uh, space-themed restaurant that's back behind uh, Mission Space. They did talk about uh, a few things that are coming for the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World coming in two years. And uh, there's some interesting ideas that they have and concepts they threw out there. One of the things is sort of an interactive, they call it interactive genie, that will take you on a guided tour of any of the parks that you're in and will optimize your route through the park. Now this goes back to, I know Len Testa has been working on this optimization technique for touring plans for a long time. I know Len, good guy, and he had this really good idea, and this is, this is a really clever thing he did where we optimized how to go through the park and make the most of your day. Disney has figured out that this has become enormously successful and decided to bring it in-house themselves and create their own sort of thing to do this. And based on your interests and the things you want to do, they'll help you optimize your day. So that's one of the features they want to bring. And this is sort of that, that next evolutionary step for them to go to more uh, virtual type things and help you get through the park. It's not about just showing up at the park and going in and wandering around like I do. It's more about having something where you're actually planning for it and then the genie takes you on that tour and suggests things to you and makes your day optimal, optimizing your time in the park to make sure you see the maximum you can see and then getting you through the park. Now this is the next evolution in sort of that fast pass thing I've been talking about. Yeah, I've been saying for a long time that, you know, the playing field was always uneven toward the regular guests, the people who would come all the time. So your locals basically could take advantage of it up until about, you know, five or six years ago, maybe as much as 10. Then it started to switch and it was balanced more toward the, uh, an even playing field. There was no balance. There was no unbalance. It was more of an even playing field. Now I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to shift it more toward the people who are the higher paying guests, the DVC customers and so forth and making sure that they have what they need in order to uh, have a great experience. So if you create the genie that gives you the interactive things, you can always focus on the people because you know who everybody is that's coming in based on them, their wristband and their where they are in the park and using the app and whatever else they've got. You can further uneven the playing field more in their favor. So you would never notice, notice it as a normal guest because what they're doing is they're now taking the fast pass system out of your hands essentially and giving to someone else, right? So that way the system is now controlling more of it 
and they can kind of direct you to different things based on availability and things that are going on, but it would be based on your level within there. So if you're a lower value customer because you're a regular guest, you'd have fewer experiences that you could do. So you can see where they're going with this and I get it. No, you know, I don't mean anything bad by it, but I see what they're doing and it's, it's actually kind of clever and kind of smart on their part. The other thing they talked about was a, the Star Wars themed hotel that's coming and that's gonna be over behind Galaxy's Edge at the studios. And the concept there is that you go into the hotel and when you check in, you, you actually take a space cruiser up to your hotel room and then you stay in your hotel room and then you're immersed in the whole Star Wars universe. And then you can go out and go through the special back entrance into the Star Wars universe and do things and have an interactive adventure. They have these adventure things they're gonna be doing uh, where you can go off and uh, do a special uh, thing where you might have some mission you have to accomplish or something you have to do within the Star Wars themed land and perhaps within the hotel as well. So you're there and you're doing all these things and you're wandering around and you're, you're immersed in the whole thing. And then you leave and you go back to the hotel and you've never experienced life outside of the Star Wars universe. Hey, it's pretty clever. I like the concept, but here's the thing. I was looking at, uh, they proposed some pricing. Now, whether this is actually going to be the pricing or not, it, the price was pretty hefty. Um, it was, you know, it was, it was working out to like a thousand dollars a day for the experience and you have to book a three-day stay. And I'm like, wow, you know, just like in prohibitively expensive um, and only for really uh, guests with deep pockets, basically. You know, there's been a lot of stories over the last few years about how Disney is pricing out the middle class. And I think that continues to be the case as you see these things. It, uh, you know, it goes further and further as they create these experiences that are much more expensive. And uh, it's great, it's immersive and it's terrific, but I'll never get to experience it. I can't afford to experience something like that that's gonna cost me that much money. So, and I would guess that most of you probably feel similarly, that it uh, prices you out of that point. But I do wanna know what they actually come up with and if they come up with some other plans and strategies and if they come up with something that's a more reasonable thing for say a one day stay instead of a three day, could you do something where you're in, immersed and for a couple of hundred dollars, I might be willing to do it. Um, so we'll see what they actually come up with. The, the hotel looks intriguing. I like the concept they've come up with. I like what they're trying to do there. I'm just not convinced that it's exactly what I'm looking for. You know, the whole Star Wars theme land. I'm not going to get into that again. Sorry, I'm not going to talk about Galaxy's Edge. Nope, 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 not going to do it. So, you know, we'll see what they come up with. So those are the major changes that they've been talking about. Most of the uh, work they talked about this time had to do with Disney World and specifically Epcot. Uh, to really make some differences there and really make some changes. And it's a significant overhaul of Epcot. This is the first time Epcot will really be touched since it was created. I mean, yes, specific pavilions have been added, deleted, or replaced. But this is the first time they're coming up with an overall theme for the whole thing and trying to change up what Epcot is. Now, as an Epcot purist, I thought Epcot was genius in its own way. It was never what Walt wanted. It was never what Walt intended. But it was very clever because it forced you to think. It entertains you. It was sort of a edutainment type thing, right? Educated entertainment where you were actually learning something. You know, you went in and you learned about energy. Yeah, it was a really long, slow ride. But how much did I come away with where I learned something about how energy works? You know, those kinds of things you can't replace, right? That, that where you're learning something in an entertaining sort of way. And now it's going to be Guardians of the Galaxy. Hey, that's great. 
movie's cute, whatever. You know, I didn't dislike it, but I can't imagine that it's going to be really fantastic in the sense of learning something along the way. That and the fact that I can't ride roller coasters, there's one more attraction that I can't go on. So it continues to evolve in that sense where you're taking things away from me to better uh, pad your bottom line, essentially. And again, I don't mean to be offensive. That's not, I don't mean it quite that way. It's sort of a tongue-in-cheek thing, but it's, you know, it, it affects me directly because I can't ride on it. So it kind of, kind of feels that way to me. So those are the major things that are going to be changing. Um, Epcot itself, I feel like, you know, it's just, it's a completely different idea uh, than what they set out to do in the first place. And I'm, I'm kind of sad about that because we're losing something. We're, we're actually doing something that's more theme park oriented and less imagination type things where you have to think a little bit. When, uh, well, the Walt Disney Company first opened Epcot Center, the one thing they said was, you're never going to see any characters here. This is not going to be about intellectual property. This is about the World Showcase. This is about learning. This is about something else. And then eventually they kind of ebbed a little bit to, all right, we can create some characters here and there. Okay, we can add some characters there. Okay, we can put some in the different countries. Okay, we can create intellectual property here. Oh, we can take this attraction out and start putting other things in that take these characters. Hmm, okay. So it became something completely different. And if you look around, they really have had intellectual property for a while now in the, in the Epcot. We just haven't noticed, right? We really haven't been paying attention. We have, but... You know, it's been enough, you know, when you create the Maelstrom to be the Anna and Elsa, you know, frozen ever after ride, you go, ah, that's the moment right there. That's when it all turned and everything else started to change. And I guess it makes sense now in the big scheme of things, what they're trying to do, that everything has to be intellectual property. It has to be the products they own, the things they own. And it does make sense that you'll replace some of the things that they had. So when you think about some of the things that were there previously and you're, and they were sponsored, now you're talking about bringing it in-house and you're selling an you're using your own intellectual property that you own and you can sell merchandise around it. Winning. That's yeah, a great, great deal for Disney. That's terrific. Now, there was one other thing that caught my attention at D23 and I wanted to share that with you. They had put on the calendar for the Thursday before they were going to announce a special secret project. And there was a lot of speculation about what that special secret project was. And... You know, it was kind of intriguing. It was like, oh, I wonder what it could be. I wonder what they're doing. You know, are they going to introduce a new land to the Epcot? Are they going to have something really cool they're going to do? And I thought it was kind of funny. What they came up with was they announced that they're going to have a day in the life of Disney. And what they did was they picked one day where they filmed all around the world, people doing different, their job, basically working for Disney. And they're going to be showing that on the Disney Plus streaming service and uh, going to be talking about that and showing you those films of people doing their job at Disney and it's, you know, Disneyfied version of what, what it's like to work at Disney. Now I worked there. It was a great company, no question, but you know, there's certain, there's some days where you kind of go, oh, it's the same thing. It's like Groundhog Day. I'm doing the same thing I did yesterday. And there are some days when it's great and you're doing something interesting and that's the way it is. So they picked the day and they picked the people and they did the thing and you know, they're now they're going to uh, show you what it's like a day in the life. Okay. Hey, that's great. Oh yeah, and they're gonna have a coffee table book too. Coffee table book in the 21st century? Who has a coffee table? Who has books on their coffee table anymore? I don't, that, that one That one kind of throws me. I can only think about Cosmo Kramer in the Seinfeld show talking about how he created a, a coffee table book about coffee tables. And if you don't have a coffee table, look, it has little legs that become a coffee table. You know, it's kind of like, it's almost a comedy in itself when you create a coffee table book like that. It's kind of made to ridicule in a way. 
I know some people will collect it, and I don't, you know, if you want to collect it, that's great. But it just seemed funny that Disney was going to create something like that that was kind of specific to that one thing. It's like, okay, day in the life. Hey, that's great. Good, good for you, Disney. Good, good job. Um, that kind of thing. So interesting, you know, kind of a lot of stuff going on. You know, they're taking away a lot, changing a lot. Uh, they talked a lot about the Disney Plus streaming service. You know, they spent a lot of time and effort showing you what the Disney Plus streaming service is like. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if you have the ESPN app, or you have Netflix, or you have Hulu, or you have uh, Amazon Prime, they're all essentially the same in terms of the UI, and you click on something, and you pick the season, and you pick the thing you want to watch. Yeah, there's going to be all of the Disney content in there, and that's great. And there's going to be some new things they come up with. You know, the new Star Wars series and some other series and some other things that they're going to be doing. Terrific. But how's that any different from any of the other streaming services? I know their goal is to kill Netflix. Great. Okay. Good, you know, good goal. And if they can accomplish it, more power to them in that sense. But how is it different? You know, what's, what's unique about it? Yeah, you have the Disney content, some of which I want to see, some of I don't, some of it I don't. But how many more streaming services can I have in my house? I've, you know, I cut the cable a while ago and I've got a couple of streaming services that I'm happy with. I don't know how many more I want or need. Uh, so I have to, you know, have to pick and choose. And then it's about price point too. What are they gonna charge for it? I've heard varying prices. You know, at different times, I've heard different price points that they've come up with. And I'm like, uh-huh. And then they were talking about a package deal between ESPN, Hulu, which they now own, by the way, and uh, the Disney Plus streaming service and putting those together as a package and charging, you know, a small amount for it for the first several months. And then after that, it would be, you know, 50 or $60 a month for all of them which is fine. That's basically what Hulu costs now. So, you know, maybe it's not so different. I don't know. But I guess I'll have to wait and see what the pricing looks like and see what their content is, see what they have in there. Uh, you know, you have to pick and choose the things that you want to do. I, I think the world has gotten more complicated now that we've kind of deregulated this and, you know, uh, democratized it in a way where you can pick the streaming services you want. But if everybody's charging $5 a month or more for their streaming service and you can only get this content off of this one streaming service and this other content off of this other streaming service, suddenly you're spending $100 a month. It's not hard to get there. So, you know, you, you, is it different than cable in a way? I don't know. So you have to kind of pick and choose the things that work for you. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure how this uh, Disney Plus is going to work out in the marketplace. Maybe it's terrific. Maybe it's overkill. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's too much Disney content. I'm just not sure yet. I have to kind of wait and see what it actually looks like when they release it. I'm kind of waiting. And I guess they're releasing it soon. They keep saying soon, but it hasn't come out yet. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens with it. So the D23 Expo, in summary, you know, kind of interesting. They laid out what they want to do. Didn't give you any specifics about some things, gave you some, some specifics about others. Didn't really give you any dates or times, just sort of said soon, by the 50th, you know, the 50th anniversary, by this time, blah, blah, blah. You know, they're laying things out there because they want to make sure you continue to visit the parks. They want to make sure you continue to come and enjoy things and, uh, and take them all in. And, you know, it's great. Things keep evolving. Uh, it will, you know, it is not the same as it was when I was in my childhood. It's not the same as it was when I worked there as a cast member. Uh, it's not the same as it was 10 years ago when I used to go in and visit when I really, uh, around the time I started this podcast, it has evolved a lot. And this last little while has been the greatest change and greatest being a relative term. I mean, you know, the price point has gone up and the services have gone up. The expectations have gone up. And so far they've been done a good job of meeting all those expectations, but you know, things are just so different. It's almost unrecognizable in some ways. 
but that's progress for you. Yeah, you know, that's the trade-off. So there you go. That is my podcast for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, by the way, one of the things that I thought of as I was just finishing this up, the Amy Grant song that came out in the 90s sometime, uh, it, the, the tune was, that, or the refrain was, they pay paradise and they put up a parking lot. And I feel kind of like that's what's happening at Disney to a degree. Things have just changed so much that sometimes I think they've paved it all and just put up a parking lot. And that's really what's happened here. It's just, it's not the same park that it was. Anyway, that is my podcast for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And I hope you didn't take too much away from anything where I'm being very negative or anything, because I'm not trying to be negative. I'm trying to be realistic about the changes that are coming. I want to see what the changes look like. I'm always interested in what they're doing and how it comes around. It They changed Epcot completely with this blanket brush, that, or this brush stroke that they just put on it. Is it going to be good? I hope so. We'll see. Uh, but that's, uh, you know, that's it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there, please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company.